Hey guys, happy Tuesday. Welcome to Feel the Heat. I'm your host, Day, along with Mr. Webb. Hey, listen real quick. We have a new intro to the show. So after this clip, the first thing will be played is our new intro by Mr. John Rivers. So glad to have him on our team, who will be doing a lot of music production for us, as well as some of our highlight productions for our college athletes. So if you don't mind, take a quick listen, and then after that, we'll jump right into the show. They gon' feel the heat. Yeah, they, they gon' feel, feel the heat. They gon' feel the heat. Day and where about think they ready? Nah. Yeah, you gon' feel the heat. They ain't ready. Yeah. Let's get it. Biggest discussions, games of the week. All up for debate. You gon' feel the heat. Come listen in, come take a peek. Day and web gon' make you feel the heat. Who got the win? Who saw the feet? Take a seat, you gon' feel the heat. Let them speak, you gon' feel the heat. Mic check one, two, you gon' feel the heat. Web are here. I was able to recruit some new listeners. So for our new our new listeners, if this is your first episode listening here at Feel the Heat, we take we back up our takes with facts and numbers. Everyone has an opinion, but not everyone backs up with the facts. And of course, like Webb always says, the numbers don't always tell the whole story. So feel free to hit us up on anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW or drop us a dime on our website at www.bymsports.com. All right. How you doing today, Webb? I'm doing good. It's a little chilly trying to stay warm, but I'm doing good. Can't complain. How about you? I'm doing pretty good here myself. Um, I didn't really get to tell you, but I went ahead and dropped in the rough draft of John Rivers' song for this episode so our listeners can take a listen to the rough draft and give us some feedback on that. That way we can also elaborate to John what we do and what we don't want. So after this episode, make sure you take a listen because I know you was having troubles listening to the file that I sent you. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Um, NCAA Week 10 of the NCAA football schedule was another thriller as rivalry games tend to be intense and fill with big plays that decide the outcome of the game. For Georgia and Florida, that was the majority of the story. Webb, what went wrong for Florida and how was Georgia able to capitalize on that? I mean, honestly, I was surprised that Georgia ate on Florida secondary like that. Uh, More specifically, Lawrence Cager, he was great seven receptions 132 yards and one touchdown and that stat line is I could use as an example of it didn't really show how good he really looked like if you didn't watch the game Lawrence Cager had a pretty good game but if you watched the game he had a really good game he looked really he was always open honestly and 
the Florida D line got no sacks. The Florida the Florida defense forced no turnovers, and Jake Fromm throws for two seventy nine and two touchdowns. Florida has twelve interceptions on the season, and tied for fifth. That's why I was really so shocked. However, uh, if you remember back, I think it was episode one or two. We predicted who was going to make the college uh, football playoffs. George, my surprise submission of Georgia making the college football playoffs, I want to say, looks less and less crazier every week. What do you think, Dave? Um, as far as the college football playoffs, I think it's a, a little bit far-fetched for Georgia still because they have – the one loss and there's so many unbeaten teams and this just depends on how the LSU and Alabama game goes this weekend coming up and how um, Ohio State finishes out their season if LSU loses or Alabama loses the rankings are going to shake up again and if Georgia wins then yes I think that your prediction is pretty much looking better and better every week but uh, it's just hard there's so many unbeaten teams, so many great teams this year, and I think it's really good for the business of college football because I know a lot of people get tired of seeing the same teams in the in the top four every year. I mean, but overall, Georgia looked good. They forced Florida to really abandon the run, which put a lot of pressure on Kyle Trask, and he went 21 of 33 for 257 with two touchdowns. Not too bad, but Georgia played the better game on both sides of the ball. Yeah, just wasn't enough. All right, what about this Florida State-Miami game? Um, what went wrong for Florida State? Uh, well, the main thing that went wrong was the protection. The protection was awful, and as you know, um, the offensive line controls the game. If your offensive line doesn't perform, there's no way you can win. And we've seen that uh, in this game. Dang. Sorry, I got mixed up in my notes. However, Florida State did sustain, I think, nine sacks. Am am I correct? I want to say nine sacks. And uh, the rushing rushing game, Cam Akers, I think he only rushed for like 60 yards. Overall, it was a breath of fresh air for a struggling Miami team. Um, what do you think, Dave? Um, as I stated in the last episode um, on Friday, I said if the game comes down to a field goal, then Miami would lose the game. And Miami did not let it get to that point. It was an early field goal game in the first quarter. And then Miami turned on and got very dominant. Um, One of their best games of the season against an average FSU team. The loss for FSU resulted into their head coach being fired. Um, Simply Miami's deep smothered FSU's offense. And the offense was dominant for Miami. So that's the story there. If you don't have production on the offensive side of the ball, if your defense is not performing up to par, you're going to lose the game. I mean, and also... Jaron Williams, he put up a season best, 313 yards, two touchdowns. And a struggling DJ Dallas, he gets a little relief. He did get a touchdown too. Overall, I thought this game was really over at halftime. 
it was 17-3. So I picked Miami to win this game. We can move. Yep. All right. So how about your player of the week? My player of the week is Brady White, the quarterback for Memphis. And Memphis is ranked what? Well, they were. They, they were ranked 24th. And they at 15, number 15, SMU, 54 to 48. And he completed 19 of 33 passes for 135, for 350 yards, I'm sorry, and three touchdowns. What about you? Who's your player of the week? I got George Halani from Boise State, running back 126 yards rushing, 17 yards reception, four touchdowns, plus the win over San Jose State. A good pick. I'm trying to, be, right. trying to be more mm-hmm. creative and methodical with my players of the week because obviously I could. Obviously, it's obvious you could pick out of the top five teams every week, but I try to be a little more methodical. Oh, yeah, it's easy to pick the top 25. That's who everybody sees. But yeah, um, I agree with you. I mean, sometimes you just have to go with a top 25 team yeah, because they have such a good performance. But uh, there are so many great college programs around it are not televised or not talked about. They have really great players that a lot of these guys are going to the NFL draft and, you know, people don't really know about them until the combine or until draft day. So that's why it's important that, like you said, we'd be methodical. We'd be so very um, selective with our picks just to get news out there um, and get you guys looking at some of these players. Ooh, George Helani is having a great season. He's um, one of the players that really put up some good numbers against Florida State as well at the beginning of the season. All right, college Hoop fans. College Hoops returns tonight for the championship classic at Madison Square Garden. Four teams headline tonight's matchups, including the number three ranked Kansas versus number four Duke and the number one ranked Michigan State. Kentucky, which I am very excited to watch the Michigan State-Kentucky game. Big-time Michigan State uh, basketball fan, I believe Webb is too. And for that reason, I'm going to give you two keys for each team to win the game. All right, for number three, Kansas against Duke. They have to defeat Udoka Azabuki, one of the best big men in the country, seven foot, 20 years old, uh, junior returning again. He needs, to, he needs to get the ball often and early inside as he is a dominant force. They also must force Duke to take and make threes as they were ranked number 329 last year in three-point percentage. For Duke, the matchup between Trey Jones and Devin Dotson is one I am interested in the most. Whoever wins the battle between those two point guards will push their team into victory. Duke must also slow the pace down and, and don't take force threes. That was one of their big things last year. They took force threes. They took too many threes. They weren't good looks. Good looks. Um, we do know that Duke lost Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, Zion, and they still come back this year and they have a number three recruiting class. So um, behind Kentucky and I believe behind Kansas. So I'm really excited to see that matchup but for Michigan State versus number two, Kentucky, again, the matchup is between the two-point guards, Cassius Winston, straight-up baller for Michigan State, um, is in the early talks of being player of the year for college basketball. So the matchup between him and Haggins for Kentucky will be the tell of the tape for me. 
The Spartans also have to feed Tillman early, and Kentucky has to play great defense on the perimeter and win that point guard matchup to have a good chance against Michigan State. That game comes on at 9.30. The Kansas State-Duke game comes on at 7 o'clock, both on ESPN. Make sure you tune in. And I just want to I just want to point out real quick, Day, uh, about Cassius Winston. I am excited to see Cassius Winston. Last year, he was Big Ten Player of the Year, so I can barely hold back the excitement. I, I really do like Michigan State. They haven't seen much success in football. So basketball is definitely something to look look up to in terms of Michigan State. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. This is my favorite time of the season when you have basketball, the NBA going into like full swing, um, the NFL season, second half of the season is starting and you're starting to see who the real teams are, which we'll get into a little bit later in this show. And then you have um, baseball just wrapping up. College football is getting interesting. And this is my absolute favorite time of the season. Fall sports is where it's at for me. And then after that, of course, you go to March Madness and then to the NBA Finals, Super Bowl. All those things are included, which makes this time of the year so special to so many sports fans and families who gather around and watch these games and enjoy each other's company and argue about sports like we do. All right, breaking news in the NFL, guys. Josh Gordon is a Seahawk. Now, mind you, we had just told you on Friday that he had been released from the Patriots. We weren't sure who was going to pick him up. Kyle and I both had jokes going back and forth with each other about teams that could pick him up. And it seems that at first, Russell Wilson pushed for Antonio Brown. But the team went ahead and picked up Josh Gordon, who is expected to play this season. If he plays this season, do you think that he can make a big, uh, a drastic improvement for wide receivers for the Seahawks? I do like Tyler Lockett and I do like um, DK Metcalf. But with the the loss of their tight end early this season, I can't remember his name. If you remember, please fill me in. If Josh Gordon is healthy, how much more scarier does this Seahawks offense become being closer to the playoffs? Um, well, first of all, I don't know how much impact immediately Josh Gordon would provide. I mean, considering they already have Tyler Lockett, who's balling. Uh, DK Metcalf, who is good, hasn't been really consistent enough week to week. But I think Josh Gordon getting another chance in the system uh, I would imagine would be comfortable for him. I mean, he's a good receiver when in good health and when in good health mentally and physically is what I'm trying to say. Russell Wilson, he's already thrown 22 touchdowns and only one interception. Uh, without Josh Gordon, uh, they were already good. I mean, if you look at him when he was on the Patriots, the Patriots wide receiver core, it was paper thin. Uh he had a lot of stress and it didn't look like a very comfortable system for him even mentally which he looked to have a lot of problems so I think I think he will I'm trying to think of the word I think he will trend upward with the Seahawks taking some uh, some work off his plate that's a good analysis if you understand what I'm trying to say I think he'll be more comfortable with Seattle with them taking taking stuff off his plate. 
Understood, understood. All right. Um, that's a good analysis for Josh Gordon. How about Jacoby Brissett? Um, he has an MCL sprain, and I believe the MRI results came back more favorable for him. But this MCL uh, sprain late in the season could mean the end. Could it mean the end of the Colts' run this season if Jacoby turned to the starting quarterback for the Colts? Yeah, that's really the cold season to me. I mean, eight games left. And even with Brissett, I'd expect maybe them to go four and four, five and three at best, if they have, if they even have Brissett. So we don't know how long he'll be out, but best case scenario is five and three. Um, but the Texans are already one game ahead of them. They're leading the division at six and three, and their next eight games are the Ravens, Colts, Patriots, Broncos, Titans, Bucks, and then Titans again. Uh, and for them, I predict four and three, three and four. And I'm leaning more toward the four and three. So that's it for the Colts to me. I think so too. No Jacoby, they're going to have a lot of problems on offense. All right. This game was like the Royal Rumble. This was like the big game of the week. This was the best uh, Sunday night game that I have seen all season. The Patriots go down in the dominant win by the Ravens. First question, have the Ravens shown they are a threat in the AFC and can Lamar Jackson be the front runner in the MVP candidate race this season? Go ahead. Um, most definitely, definitely in their division. They're going to win their division, uh, obviously. The Steelers are barely mediocre. The Browns are terrible, and the Bengals haven't won a game. Uh, and after this, it's entirely possible that you could make the case that the Ravens could even could even go to the Super Bowl. I mean, if they can beat the Patriots, I mean, all they really have left standing in their way is who? Kansas City. Pat Mahomes. Kansas City Patriots. Yep. Patrick Mahomes is hurt right now. However, I do feel like, no, nah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it because I know it's going to come up later. But I definitely think the Ravens are a real threat in the AFC, especially to the Patriots. What about you? What, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely think that the Ravens have shown they are a threat in the AFC and they should not be taken lightly. Lamar Jackson is playing really great. I do think that they are the team to beat. Beating the Patriots is a big statement. I know people will say the Patriots haven't really played anybody, but it's the form and the fashion that they beat the Patriots in. This stout defense that was shutting teams down, shutting down wide receivers, getting to the quarterback often, did not create an oppose a threat for Lamar Jackson. From the start of the game, he had his way with the Patriots. So yes, they are a threat um, in the AFC to win the AFC totally. And then you have to take Ken Lamar Jackson be the front runner in MVP candidate race. You have him up there with um, Russell Wilson. And some people have even thrown in um, the Packers quarterback. I'm drawing a blank here. Aaron Rodgers, excuse me. But I think that, yes, he can be the front runner in the MVP race. Um, he's playing just as good as any other quarterback. And then to go against the Patriots the way he did and play the way he did under composure and smooth, didn't make too many mistakes. He's on pace to beat 
Michael Vick's um, record for rushing yards by a quarterback while silencing his critics who said all he could do is run the ball. He's doing this every Sunday. So, yes, he could be a front runner in the MVP race. What are your thoughts on that? So I feel like I lost you there. I can't hear you if you could come back. Um, Just bear with us one second, guys. We're going to take a break and we're going to come right back. guys we're back sorry about that you know how technology is you got to work with it sometimes so i was trying to get webb's opinion on if he thinks lamar jackson could be the front runner in an mvp candidate race what i was saying before is no no i don't think so because without russell wilson the seahawks would not be winning like this uh, Russell Wilson has thrown over 20 touchdowns to one interception. I think he's far more efficient than Lamar Jackson. I think uh, the only real thing that gives Lamar Jackson the, uh, that makes him more attractive to people who want to say he might be the MVP is the fact that he can rush the ball so so well. So I still think Russell Wilson being how detrimental he is to the Seahawks, how efficient he's been. And I think that should be the case for him to be MVP. Lamar Jackson hasn't been as efficient. He's not as, I mean, and yeah, that's what I mean. He's not as efficient. Okay, and that's that's fair enough because 20 20, um, touchdowns to one interception is pretty great. But, Over 20. He's got, he's got 22. <clears throat> yeah. And then you think um, Lamar has 12 touchdowns, um, almost 2,000 yards passing, five interceptions. But like you said, what gives him that edge is that he's able to, you know, rush the ball and, and do it so effective. I believe he has, I want to say maybe five rushes. five or six rushing touchdowns yeah so he is definitely and i think he has like almost 700 yards uh rushing as a quarterback i mean he has more um rushing yards than some halfbacks in the league so yeah so lamar jackson takes a lot of attention from the defense because he's such he's such a problem outside of the pocket but I just don't think he's efficient enough throwing the football. And that's fair. That's a fair argument. He's he's not saying that he's not efficient. He's just not as efficient as Russell. When Russell we're talking Wilson's about the, completing, I want to say over sixty percent of his passes. Yeah. yeah, and so is Lamar Jackson. They both are. They're both playing well. We can't take it away from them. But I get what you're saying as far as yeah. Russell Wilson. Um, just he's just performing 
more efficient. It's not necessarily better, just more efficient. Yeah, I'm not taking away from Lamar Jackson. What he's doing is historical, but just he's not as a as efficient is what I'm that's my whole thing. All right, so let's go ahead and get right into it. This is a fluke reel. We have two teams that we're going to talk about today. The Ravens, I think we covered that mo- mostly. I think we're both going to agree on this, but Webb, what do you think? Are they a fluke or are they real? I think I think the Ravens as a whole are real, but I think the game against the Patriots was a fluke because how many flags did the Patriots really get? How many How many holds? How many times did you see Bill Belichick ready to throw his headset at somebody during a timeout? Um, I think the Patriots really shot themselves in the foot. They could have played better. They made a lot of mental mistakes. Um, I think the I think the Patriots really should have won if they didn't uh, make a lot of uh, mistakes. So I'm a fluke that one. I don't think that'll happen again. Well, I'm going to say they're a real team, and their their win was real. They won in a dominant fashion. Tom Brady was very uncomfortable with the pressure the defense was able to create on him, not allowing his wide receivers to get it as open as they have been, shutting down the run game. Um, the penalties, that comes when you're getting your butt kicked and you're not being disciplined because now you're eager to get to the ball, eager to make a play, um, offensive line not holding up to their job and just overall the Ravens were the better team so I think that win was real I think they're a real team um but moving forward I just want to say this one last time uh the Patriots starting right tackle didn't play uh win yeah he didn't play I just want to throw that out there so the protection issues might have attributed from a second string right tackle but we can go ahead and move on all right, we have the Panthers up next, who are five and three. Cam Newton is not returning back this season. He will go on an IR and he will be a free agent in the spring. So, with that being said, are the Panthers real or are they a fluke? I think the Panthers are a fluke because outside of Christian McCaffrey, who do they really have? And Um, The narrative early on was that Christian McCaffrey wasn't big enough to be at every down back, but I think that's been completely wrong. And the Panthers' success has been mostly attributed to the fact that he has been on the field for almost every snap of every game, barring injury. So I think if anything, if Christian were to slow down, get hurt, Anything like that, I think the Panthers are in trouble. Yeah, I'm agree with you. Um, I, I don't really think that they're a real team. Somewhat their schedule has favored them. And Christian McCaffrey has bought out and saved them week after week. But um, we're going into week 10 here in the NFL schedule. And as much as productive as he's been, he can actually be in the MVP race. But as productive as he's been, he's taken a lot of beatings too. So like you said, if he slows down, the Panthers will slow down because they don't really have any other go-to weapons. All right. Don't even worry about that, guys. Oh, let's see. Player of the week, we got Russell. I I picked Russell Wilson. I don't know. You may have picked him too. Uh, Five touchdowns and an overtime win versus the Bucs. 
Now they will face, I believe, Monday night game is the Seahawks and the 49ers next week. So that would be a good, interesting match. Well, I'm going to go give credit where credit is due, whether people believe in it or not. But I'm going to give it to Lamar Jackson. Uh, 17 for 23, 163 yards and one touched, one passing touchdown. Uh, I believe, yeah, he had a rushing touchdown also. That's my player of the week. All right, guys, jumping into NBA action. John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks has been suspended 25 games for the NBA's anti-drug policy. I'm not sure what he tested positive for, but it seems to be a common trend right now. And a lot of guys are saying, oh, I didn't know that's what I was taking. I was told it was something I could take by my doctor, a trusted friend, yada, yada, yada. Um, It's unfortunate for the Hawks. I think he is an important part of their game. But I think they'll be fine without him. Here we have NBA Pick'em. All right, so we got the Heat, who are looking great. They're young, athletic, versus the Nuggets, who are a very uh, much a force to be reckoned with in the West. Who you got? I believe Jimmy Butler's back, so I'm going to take the Heat. Kendrick Nunn has worked out for the better, and Tyler Harrow as well. So I'm going to take the Heat. I'm rolling with the Heat as well. What about the Bucks versus the Clippers? Mm, I think the Clippers can I think the Clippers can beat the Bucks with Kawhi on load management for the first three quarters. So I'm going to take the Clippers. I like the Bucks. I'm going to go with the Bucks this game. I like Giannis. I like uh, you know Chris Middleton. They have a pretty solid team. I think they match up well with the Clippers. So they did I'm gonna go ahead and pick uh, Wesley Matthews to help with the uh, three-point situation and Kyle Korver. So they, they are should getting, be a good game. You know, they're getting better from the perimeter. What about the 76ers versus the Jazz? Mm, I believe Joel Embiid comes back tonight. So I'm going to take the Jazz. He was on that two-game suspension for the fight with Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm going to take the Sixers. Okay. And then we have the... I'm going to actually take the Sixers, too. And then we have the Trailblazers versus the Clippers. Who do you got? Versus the Clip. Versus the who? The Clippers? Yeah, I think they play Thursday night. Yeah, after the Trailblazers, after watching how Golden State did the Trailblazers last night, um, I can't pick the Trailblazers. Not after the other night. Definitely going with the Clippers. Um, They're just a better team. All right, so for our listeners, that wraps us up for today. We, We will be back on Friday, so we thank you for joining us. Um, Webb, you got anything to wrap up here? Um, Oh, yeah, I wanted to say for that Trailblazers matchup, Zach Collins is hurt. Uh, That's off the top of my head. That's what I thought of. But, yeah, that's it for me. All right, guys, make sure you get your questions in, your topics. You know how to do it at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW. Or now you can now drop us a line on our website at www.fm bymsports.com and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. We'll catch you on Friday. Have a good week.